Are you over there? Yeah, you. You were now tuned in to the Kitchen Couch Podcast with Nathan Nice. Kitchen Couch. Where you stir it, mix a little ice. Of course, you want the brutal topics, bro. You want the topics that, that radio don't even allow. You want the topics that Illuminati might get scared about. And then juice a couple lemons. And then throw a splash of that. Man, you super late. My fault, family. I just, I had to get something to eat. What's good, y'all? Nathan Nice. You're on the Kitchen Couch platform. My other name. You may also know me as Light Skin Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain's, you know what I'm saying, younger nephew, you feel me? He had a, a, a baby with a, a black woman, and uh, it turned out to be me. He had a baby with Erica Badu. And that's Nathan Nice right there. The mysticism and you know what I'm saying the 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 food element, you feel me? So <clears throat> a little bit of voodoo, a little bit of creole, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some salt, some spices, you feel me? Don't worry, don't ask about it. It'll be all good. It'll be all good. You're gonna like what you get. Okay. This week I have a special guest. Makeup artist Angie, super sick chick. I totally met her. Uh, totally vibes. Uh, all awesome entrepreneur, mom. You know she do she does it all. And and one thing I commend her for is you know sticking her head down and and um, gritting through the shit in order to become the successful business owner and now she creates her own schedule she works with awesome clients she gets to fly and travel there's a lot of different benefits to her job as a makeup artist doing weddings and all types of things i mean you never know photo shoots yeah so yeah i hope you enjoy this one but before that i've got a voicemail i'd like to play and uh and uh get some get some uh feedback hey, hey this is georgia baker calling in within within the black race 
not just blacks against white, against white, but blacks against blacks, blacks, dark skinned blacks against white skinned blacks. And I mean, it's it's becoming more prevalent today in uh, in the media. This whole into the the specifics of the cases, but as far as um, Jesse Smollett or R. Kelly or Bill Cosby. These are these are people who mean something to the black community, not necessarily white people. And so, um, within that, you have people who are fighting for R. Kelly. All, all us within the black race uh, debating or um, yeah, debating against each other. Same thing with Bill Cosby. Did he do it or did he not do it? Michael Jackson, did he do it? Did he not do it? And all it is is creating this division. It, it, it seems subtle, but it's the division between within the black race. And so, like I said, the Willie Lynch, what, the Willie Lynch letter, it, um, it, it, it's still working, <laughs> and it's up to us to get educated and to change that narrative. Oh, got out there? Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, uh, that it cut you off. Uh, Georgia, Miss Baker, awesome, awesome lady. I totally, uh, we've had a conversation or two. Um, we both listened to the No Nonsense show. Uh, shout out to them and the Rare Sonnets Media. I've had uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of family love and support. A lot of guests on there from there, from the Slack room. But uh, to answer her question or to, to shed some light on basically what she was saying was, you know, the Willie Lynch letter. And, you know, now they're saying, I was reading some, well, I saw some posts. I'm not going to say I read it. I saw some posts saying that scientists weren't sure if the Willie Lynch letter was even a real thing. But that even that in itself is now a conspiracy because if you read the letter you understand what she's talking about and what she's saying uh once again thank you for sending the voicemail anybody else uh 509-557-0521 but yeah so in regards to the Willie Lynch letter um this the the effects of if you read it the effects of it still work to this day and it's like you can even apply it to white people. You can apply it to, um, you know, Afro-Latinos. You know, you could apply it to Latinx or whatever. You can apply it to pretty much any subset of humans. But it definitely was meant for the black man and woman. Or woman and man. You know, and, and you see this type of division. and Single mothers. There's just so much of that. And... I hate to be the one to blame something else, but the the letter is so specific on how it was written, and they use certain languages that were debatable at the time for meaning. Granted, I understand that, but when you read the 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 letter, you wouldn't have understood. It it couldn't have been made up. It, the language they were using was relatively. relatively specific to that era for the most part now you know it's it, it, it was last month black history month this month women's history month 
and uh, I believe it's a good question, a good time for that. Now, as regards to uh, Bill and Jesse and R. Kelly, you know, I think I think those are just ploys to get us not popping and not positive. But you know what? Fuck those dudes. If they did it, fuck them. If they didn't, I'm sorry. You know, I don't want to shed any more light on those dudes. I've given them a lot of light. Uh, I'm sure more more content will come soon. But for now, we could sleep on those guys. Anyways, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Dope-ass interview with makeup artist Angie coming up right after this. So stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. was good was good this is nathan nice and you on the kitchen couch you already know the curtain is closed so right now i'm here with angie makeup artist uh say what's up let them know any you know where to find you or you know you have a twitter or instagram or any of that you know what i have not created a twitter but instagram is my life so it's at makeup artist dot angela um, and then, you know, I have like a Facebook that's not very active. Instagram's the place to find me for sure. Or makeupartistangela.com. So if I want to book you, is that where I go on Instagram? Yes, Instagram or go straight to my website. Either one is great. <clears throat> well, what's your website? It's www.makeupartistangela.com. <laughs> well, you heard that. Yeah, in case y'all... HTTP. Double slash. <laughs> I don't know the whole thing. Okay, <laughs> y'all hoes need to get your makeup did. <laughs> yes. And hair. Hey, I do hair too. Oh, you do hair? Styling, makeup, weddings, events, photo shoots. Yeah, I do actually a lot of um, athletic photo shoots that not everybody knows. I don't always get photos back from those, you know, because they're like catalog stuff that they don't give you images. So I don't post as much about that, but... I've done a lot of shoots with, like, Nike, Adidas, like, bigger brands like that, just random stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, well-rounded. Uh, so, uh, um, where are you from? Are you are you from this Northwest region, or were you originally? Yeah. From? No, I was, I was born here, raised here, and then I moved to L.A. before I was ever a makeup artist, which was... I should have moved there when I was a makeup artist, but I moved there for a little bit and then lived in Vegas for, like, I mean, have you really lived somewhere if it's less than two months? <laughs> so maybe I didn't really live there. Yeah, And no. then I came back, and then I've been here ever since. So wait, so you said you, you attempted to live in Vegas, right? Well, that was, so I moved to L.A., and it just didn't go the way that I wanted it to. I was young and just, 
you know, when you're in that party vibe and just things are confusing and you're just trying to make money and have fun at the same time, and it just got a little overwhelming. And so my aunt at the time lived in Vegas. So I just went there to like, you know, take a load off, get my ducks in a row and figure out where I was going to go next. Mm. And I did go back for a little bit and then came back up here. Seattle is a trap like that. Once you, once you've been here, you either come back or you just don't ever leave. It's sort of weird like that. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of a little bit the, it's like that, but I kind of am a little bit the opposite because I mean, yeah, it's been a trap, but I like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's been a trap because I, but I want to leave like now because I'm like, if I don't leave yeah, soon, then I'll never wants leave. To leave. You just don't. Yeah, if I don't leave soon, then I'm pretty much just gonna be here for the rest of my life, and I'm like, I'm ready yeah. to experience something different. Yeah, you know what? That's why I left when I was. I when did I move down there? I think I was 17. Yeah, I think I was 17. That's why I left because I knew I could feel it. I was like, I, if I don't go now. I will be here for the rest of my life. Right. And it still happened. I'm still here. But, well, you know. One thing one thing that's hard to find is, like, the air quality and the water quality is, like, shocking. Yes. I, anywhere else I've been, it's been worse. So it's kind of like... Oh, totally. And, like, I feel like if I ever needed to just, like, run from society, I could just run in an hour in any direction, pretty much, and I'm, I'm pretty much <laughs> off the grid, you know what I'm saying? Whereas, yeah, like, if no, you, they, yeah. they give you that idea that you're off the grid no matter where you live because there's just there is still a lot preserved out here. Like as much as it's been, you know, corporatized, there's still a lot of nature and you know you don't know what you have until it's gone. It's and you leave and it feels it feels good or you have the sunshine. You're like, yes, I want to live in the sunshine. But then there's just there's some good stuff about Seattle that pulls you back. Right. Well, Vegas is, I mean, Jill is down in Vegas, and Vegas is, is kind of, for me, it would be too trash. It's too ghetto. It's too small. Yeah, no way. It's too just, like, you, I don't know. Vegas is one of those cities that it looks like a lot's going on, but not a lot's going on. Yeah. That's, like, 100% it. It's all happening on the Strip, and then nothing is happening anywhere else. Yeah. Exactly, and they they yeah. they reserve all that yeah. money specifically for parties and weddings, and that's pretty much it. There's no really like, you know, growth. I mean, they're they're trying, but as far as like the ideas, you don't really. It's very. It's almost as stagnant as Seattle, if if you want to, you know, if not worse. <laughs> no, it's worse. I mean, it's worse. It's they're there for the party like that's what vegas is that's what people go to vegas it's a weekend trip it's a bachelorette party it's you know it's a specific crowd and we love we love vegas for that reason you know like that's why you would go there but you don't spend two weeks in vegas you spend like you know a weekend three four days max yeah not to yeah. hate on vegas i feel like everyone's gonna right. be mad about that but, but that's the truth right right well i mean for people that have been down there and tried to live and like lives down there so i've been down there a handful of times now and it's kind of like okay like i i and i mean um granted i've been you can get bored quickly granted me and my girl have been uh all, like more than two weeks no cigarettes but even when we were smoking it was like Oh my God! Like you walk into a hotel and your your senses are just going off. All that cigarettes, all that dry air. Oh yeah. But um. Oh yeah, I can smell it from here. 
Did you remember any any dope food spots? Um, we uh we went to this one food spot and it was kind of like this like, I mean we ordered it delivery, but it was like some type of I don't even know maybe like a grinder place or something and it, the sandwiches were really good. It was it but it was still like Seattle pricing, so it was kind of like okay. Right. You know, you want to know the best spot that I ever ate in Vegas that you can probably never go to is, so I'll have to tell you this story one time. This is a really long story, so maybe not on this on this episode, but I'll have to tell you um, how Chad and I met. But he was working in Vegas at the time that I was there, and he did, like, event setup. And um, he they have this, like, underground galley for all the crew, like all the crew that work on the strip. Even, I think like, even if they're not in that hotel, like you can just eat if you're working, like, like they just take your word for it. But if you're working in any specific hotel, you can just go to that, that hotel's galley mm. and they have literally everything like lobster, steak, chicken. I mean like everything that you would ever want is just all there all the time, 24 hours a day. Cause these guys work 24 hours a day. And I was just like, I walked in and I was like, what is this? It was like Willy Wonka, but food, not Ooh. candy. Ooh. It was crazy. You could just get like burgers. I mean, like whatever you want. No one, no one even looks at you. Like the food is just all there. They're just constantly cooking and preparing it. And you just take a plate and do your thing and then leave. And oh I have to say goodness. that was probably the best food that I had the entire time I was there. Oh my goodness. Ugh, that sounds Hands so down. Good. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been a weird food journey to Vegas for me specifically. Um, I am a critic. I like to be able to. Uh, there's something about Vegas where I feel like it's all chicken strips and burgers and pizza type of type of deal. I know, right? <laughs> and I, you know what I mean. And I'm kind of like, where's the salads? Where's the smoothies? It's dry desert. We need like fresh juice. I need, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I need some yep, restoration. Uh, but we um, we ate at this um, janky hotel and or hotel casino. It's called Boulder Station. Um, oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's super janky, but we, we like it. Um, and we went to this buffet. You, you sign up for the card, then you get, like, the buffet is, like, seven bucks or something crazy. And oh, wow. It's it's the equivalent to old country buffet. It's not great, but it's it's a buffet. Right. But the they had this hominy dish that I've replicated a lot, and it's kind of basically like ground hominy and like cream and like green chilies and like spices. Yeah, yeah. and you bake it. Oh, that was one of my favorite. Does dishes that taste kind of like like a like Latin twist on grits or something? Because if you crush it all up like that grind it all up like that um it's not like all the way crushed into like like grits it's more like beans Mm. Mm, okay you know what i'm saying so like like i feel like grits is when they take the hominy and then they like really really grind it to like sand and then they cook like or meal or whatever and then they cook it and then they yeah and then they cook it down but no it was more like like a ground bean texture, but not quite refried beans. It was like more coarse. Yeah, it was delicious. Ugh. Um, yeah, yeah, you need to cook for me. I just realized you've never. You should have like 
we should have food that we're eating right now while we're talking. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, and it's funny because we just, I just ate like the the struggle meal. Um, I have, I mean, I've been cooking, <laughs> but lately, you know, we just want to keep it simplistic. You just kind of in this, in this, in this little trying to catch back up time and so we had like a little pizza california pizza kitchen little heat up pizza hey, that's not the struggle meal i thought you were gonna say top ramen with like some sort of old meat in it or something Ooh, that's the struggle bus right there or cup of noodle with nothing in it <laughs> Nah, i can't see that's the thing i can't do the cup of noodle or the top ramen. like i look past it in the aisle and i get nostalgia but i just think of all that sodium it brings back all the feels and, but that sodium will bring back all my swells. <laughs> <laughs> not in a good way. Yeah, I'm not going to... Oh my gosh, be... I have to tell you, like, Chad used to... Man, we were so poor when we first got together. Like, we were actually poor, okay? Like, people love to be like, oh, yeah, you know, before we had money, like, we did not have any money. Right. And he used to get a big old pack of Top Ramen, and then, you know, like... What is that, American cheese, the plastic cheese? Oh. The little slices, you know? Oh, crap. Yeah, he would get American cheese. This is going to kill you. He put American cheese in his top ramen. Oh. And then I know he got meat in there somehow. I don't know what where the meat came from. Threw that in there. Hot sauce, soy sauce. Like, he would doctor up. Like, I mean, all the things were in there. And then it was just like his... I didn't think it tasted good at all. And, and I'm okay with, like, a soup thing like that, but, like... It was so nasty, but he, that was like his favorite meal, and it cost him like three dollars. Oh my god! I was like, all right, as long as that's filling you up, oh just, go, just go at it. <laughs> oh my goodness! See, see, that's the thing. I'm I'm really good at turning like a struggle meal like that into something decadent. So what I used to do, it was a small period of time. That I would take the ramen noodles and not put the packet in, and then I would mix butter and parmesan and like salt, pepper, and like okay, that sounds way better. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they kind of like a little bit of cheese, but not craft singles. Like ixnay, no craft singles. No. <laughs> no man, the, the craft singles and cheese whiz are are a hard pass for me. I my grandma tried to give me that when I was younger, and I was I was terrified i went home and i was like i'm not going back to my grandma's house she tried to give me cheese in a can i don't oh. even know what that is oh cheese whiz yellow is... stuff in a can every time no. i every time i see that on chopped i'm like what what do they even do with that type of like oh you know you get this and the oysters and cheese whiz it's like oh shit you're you're fucked like, i know it's not gonna taste you're good. fucked yeah where do you go from there seriously it's like the worst invention ever i hate i hate like things and i don't like things that are supposed to go rancid that you can keep on your shelf for like years like cheese was like does that even go bad right right you know like that's just not right i don't think that's actually cheese well my girl she feels some type of way about uh we i, I keep this tang just in case of an apocalypse i'm like that tang is never gonna <laughs> go bad you know what I mean? <laughs> we get some vitamins. <laughs> yeah, but then you're gonna have to drink tang. So, yeah. You know, you're you're losing. <laughs> I better have some electrolyte packets because that's gonna dry me out. <laughs> Gross. So we we've eaten at um, the Tipsy Cow, and I think that that place was that was okay. I bet you the milkshakes there would have been good. I feel like I feel like you go around the table that day. It was like I had something good. 
and then maybe you sat on the side of me and you didn't have something good and then Chad mm-hmm. probably had something good and then my girl she didn't have anything good so it's kind of like was it good was it not good I mean some things were good no here I figured it out okay I figured this out this is what happened and this happens with a lot of restaurants actually this is a big pet peeve like ordering at restaurants but I didn't know in my defense you like tipsy cow is not a place to eat healthy that's what I realized right. I don't like their healthy food that's a cheap meal kind of day when you're gonna go and get the fries and the shake and the burger and I mean like just just order what you want you're gonna have a good time the food's good the meat's local all that but I made the horrible mistake of ordering that kale salad. <laughs> and kale's already a really hard thing to cook, okay? Like, I'm going to put that on the top of the list of things that are really hard to cook. Like, it's just, it's very rarely, I don't know what happened to me. I actually think something came over me in my body and ordered that for me. Because the Angie I know wouldn't order a kale salad at a burger place. Right. But it happened. It didn't go great. But Chad ate it, so, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but so that's my pet peeve is you don't go to, like, and like okay, don't go to a Mexican food restaurant and order a cheeseburger. Like, just right. don't do it. It's not right. going to taste good. It's not, it's not, and also I think it's rude. But don't do that. And don't go to, like, an Italian place and just, like, don't, don't screw with their menu. Order what they do best because that's probably what sparked the idea to create the restaurant in the first place. Don't go on, like, the outer edges of the menu. Stick to, mm. stick to the inner part. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, then you don't fail. Chad makes that mistake. He'll order something so random at, off a menu. But I'm like, no, this is, I can feel it. This is not what they do best. Somebody peer pressured them to add that to the menu. Mm. Well, it, no, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like <clears throat> the only, the hardest one is the Chinese food place. Because the uh, Chinese yes. food place has 20 things and like, you could be adventurous, but then it's like, it's like almost like a hundred items you could order. And you're like, there's no way they have fresh duck and fresh fish and fresh clams and fresh, like, you know, you gotta like, no, nothing's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> nothing's fresh. Like that's the first, like if they put fresh in front of it, you know, like it was, a, it was originally fresh. I'm sure before they froze that thing for like a year before they fed it to you. Same thing, you gotta go full nasty when you get in there. Order the greasiest thing, the rice, the all of that stuff, then you're safe. Don't be ordering like fish stuff from a Chinese food place. I don't know why that just I don't I don't think I can do that. You know what's gotta get like, you know, you know sour chicken. It's funny that you say that too because we're we're in the northwest where you would think that seafood and fish and all that shit would be like mad fresh. But it's like well, at the same time, if you did order that stuff from a Chinese, it, it'll be better than if you ordered it in Texas or something, or you ordered it in wherever. But it's still like that questionable. If, I don't know. Is it more yeah. questionable here, or is it more questionable where there's not seafood? I don't know. Because either way, it seems like it's coming frozen from a bag. I don't know. I'm always like, right. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm so confused. Well, there's the opportunity to have fresh fish here, like you go to you know a place that markets that they're like that, i mean like that's what they do like mccormick's downtown or like <clears throat> ivers or salties you know and alki like that's what they do you go there because you know if you order 
seafood, it's going to be the bomb, and it's going to be super fresh. I mean, sometimes it's caught that day, you know, like that's, you can't, you can't freeze dry that and then beat out someone that just caught their fish that day. Like, it's just never going to be the same. Right. And a Chinese food place, whether it's in Seattle or not, that's not what they do. You know, like they deep fry, it's, you know, at least Americanized Chinese food. I've never been to China. I don't know if it's different there, but... Like, that's how it is here, you know? And it's like you got to kind of think about the restaurant choice before you even walk in. Right. You know? Or just cook at home. That's, we cook at home all the time. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely the cook at home because then you know what you're getting. You know what you're putting in. So, be, yeah. being in the Northwest um, from here, what are you – What are your, maybe, maybe give me three or four of your favorite restaurants. Oh, I don't know if you're gonna be happy with me, but like Uh-oh. if I if you say like favorite, it's like something I would either frequently want to eat at, yeah. or that I like dream of when I'm gonna eat bad or something. Oh yeah. But I would say, okay, for one, and I didn't know this until recently, but I didn't realize that Pacific Northwest has the best teriyaki, like, or that they just have teriyaki, and a lot of other states don't do it the way that they, they do it out here. Oh no. And they don't do it as well. Have you heard that? I've had a lot of people tell me that. Well, I've experienced like a lot it. Of my... I've experienced it firsthand. Um, it's teriyaki elsewhere. Like teriyaki here is like very. It's not like oh, it's Japanese food. You don't think of it like you think of it as just teriyaki. Whereas in like yeah. Kansas or you know what I'm saying, the Midwest, you might think of teriyaki as Japanese food. It's, you know what I mean? It's oh, like okay. com- it's like comfort home yeah. food for us. We're like eh, teriyaki, yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah, so, like, you know, I've had some amazing food out here, but, like, the places that I go to or that I want to go to are, like, so I shoreline for most of my, um, I don't know, elementary school, middle school, and, like, not even a year of high school, a couple weeks of high school. But there's this little place called Ichiban Teriyaki, and if you're from Shoreline, know exactly what I'm talking about and where it's at, and it's still there. And they have the best teriyaki ever like they only have i think 10 things on their item or on their menu um and it's it's so good like i mm. would go there anytime like I, I love their food um so like that dick's drive-in burgers chad hates them i think they're what he do- oh um, th- let me guess he likes in and out better don't tell me he likes in and out better no 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 he doesn't he he honestly like gosh i don't even know like what burger you know he really likes tipsy cow that we were just talking about mm, mm. but i don't know what would be his favorite but again like dick's drive-in is like it's like comfort food i think it's like mom's cooking you know what i mean like it's, yeah it's, is it the best burger ever i don't know but it tastes good to me it's definitely one of the best burgers as far as just general burgers in seattle if you could you could put it in there in the competition i don't know if it's number one for sure yeah we we've eaten yeah burgers. like it's not number one the the one thing about dicks though, like I rep dicks, but at the same time, I always feel bad for the workers. I, I every time I go there, I'm just like, like I'm sorry. Why? Guys. I don't they know. They get paid better than most um, fast food places. In fact, all fast food places. They um, have four hundred one k's. They have benefits for their employees. Like, don't feel bad for them. They're doing way better. Feel bad for like McDonald's employees and Taco Time employees. Right, right. No, and I definitely see the difference, but I'm like, for, just the fact that we can like sit here and stare at you while you work is just, 
And, like, I remember I applied there, like, when I was a kid. I mean, granted, I had a beard when I was a kid, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and... you just bought her because they didn't hire you. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they told me they were going to hire me, but they needed me to shave my beard. And I always feel some type of way when a place needs me to shave my beard. I'm like, it, it sounds a little funny because it sounds like, oh, well, if you need to work, you shave your beard. And But it's just like. What does that determine any like what what it's kind of like having dreads or something like like I I don't know I I, I have this this hairstyle as, and a beard is very like I if I'm shaving this beard I'm getting like razor bumps all types of stuff this is a protective hairstyle like at this point protective hairstyle <laughs> but what do you do though like when you're a chef like cause don't you do you have to cover that? No. And like, I, how would you cover your whole I never. Face? I If I'm an actual chef, like if I'm an actual cook, they never say anything because generally you're just supposed to be a clean or cleaner person. You know, you... you mm, okay. It's just kind of like, I mean, there's beard guards and stuff if, if, they're, if the place is really tripping, but it's just like... I mean, you just hope this guy isn't, like, a scaly-ass dude that's, like, flaking up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have flakes, so I don't have nothing yeah. to worry about. <laughs> that's why I'm like, you need you... to shave my beard? I have... Yeah, I, I know. I hear you also because that's kind of your look. Like, I totally get that. Yeah. But I, okay, so I have a question. So, do you get weirded out if there's um, a hair found in your food? Um. Hell Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so it, de- it depends. Chad it de- doesn't care. It depends on it. Okay, like I'm not gonna make a huge deal, but I am gonna get the meal comped. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, there's a hair. I'm just gonna be like, hey, like I'm sorry. I get it. I understand because I've been there. Um, not to say that I've ever had a hair in somebody's food, because you know, you know me, I don't have hair. But it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Other than my beard here, but my beard here doesn't fall out like that. I'm not grubbing it while I'm making yeah. food, you know. So I, I guess. Right. Uh, um, I. So if it's some big long hair, I might feel away. If yeah. It, but then if it's a yeah, short hair. Yeah, that's what it is. Like it gives me some sort of feeling. I'm not. I mean, I'm. I'm not angry, but I don't like it, and I don't want to eat it. And then I feel not hungry anymore. But yeah. Chad's like, just eat it. Who cares? And I'm like, no, I don't want to eat someone else's hair. I. I care. I don't want to eat that. I don't like it, but I don't want someone to feel bad about it. I don't think someone pulled it out of their hair head and put it in my food. But, but I'm the same way as you. Like where I'm like, hey, not a big deal. Totally not mad. Like I'm gonna come back. I love this place, but I feel like I don't want to eat this. Right. Like, that's I would say it like in a in a way like that. Well, I so what what I mean too is like, if I'm at Daler, Daniel's Broiler, I might feel a way. If I'm at, like, Susie's soup yeah. place down the street that, like, just does, like, really cheap soups or something, I might, like... Well, soup is another thing, actually, to have hair in, and rather than, like, maybe, like, rice. If you found a piece of hair in rice, right. you can kind of pick it out and be like, okay, whatever. But, like, if it's in soup, right. it's kind of like, damn, you just contaminated, like, the whole Marinating. soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's another thing, though. I think that Seattle does good, like, speaking of favorite restaurants, Thai food really well. Oh my goodness. Mm. Right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm into that too because it's like, you know, you can get like Tom Ka, the coconut soup, you know, I get it really spicy, like four stars. Oh yeah. If you're ever sick and you just need to like just blast that sickness out of you, 
I swear to God, that's what I get is Tom Ka four star, and I just suffer through it, and it is like delicious and burny, and it just gets rid of everything. Oh, it's so stinky! It's stinky good. Oh my goodness! It like yeah. it like doesn't yeah. smell the way it tastes. It like smells like whoa, and then you take a sip, you're like, wow. <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it from the time I smell it to the time I inhale it. Mm. The whole experience is enjoyable for me. Have you had creamy Tom Yum? Um, wait, wait, is creamy Tom Yum different than just Tom Yum? Uh, no, no. Oh yeah, I've had it. Well, I think maybe maybe I like it. Tom Yum, they don't put coconut milk, and then maybe creamy Tom Yum, they do put the coconut milk. I think maybe that's... Okay, so I would probably like creamy Tom Yum better then because that's the one thing I didn't, that I missed, like when I had the Tom Yum and I, like the one time I ordered, you know, like the one time you go against your normal order right. and I ordered that and I kind of missed the coconut milk. Oh my goodness. Mm, so good. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, no, especially if, if Chad likes the, um, if he likes that top ramen, he's got to get the mama noodles. And they have the Tom Yum flavor. It's like Taiwanese noodles, but this is the same as Top Ramen, but the flavor is different, and the noodles are a little different. Oh, so good. Oh, he has that. He has that. Listen, we're going to be like millionaires one day, and he's still going to have the Mama noodles, the Top Ramen, the cup of noodles. He's going to have all of it. Mm. And I'll be like, babe, we can, we, can, we can, you know, buy some other things. He, it's just it's one of those things. He He has a couple dishes that he just – has to have it's comfort food Mm. yeah it's and it's funny because i'm kind of my taste buds have just recently changed a lot um i just recently cut pork out of my i i had it and it made me really really sick maybe it was discounted or something and i've pork has been a go-to for a while because i'm you know i'm diabetic so i'm kind of like well i can cut these things off but i can still have some of these things over here and pork was yeah. one of those things but now i like after recently getting super sick i can't even like think about like i miss it a little bit but i'm like the repercussions are not worth it yeah and it's sometimes you have to take a break like i took a break from me altogether for like almost a year and and i kind of i still do that like there's some months too or some weeks even like where I won't have meat all week and then maybe I will like on a Sunday or something but sometimes your bodies just like have to cleanse a little bit you know or you just need to quit something for a little bit like some of the red meats and then go back to it later like I just I don't really believe that we need all that in our diet you know like all of everything things it's just too much right well it's funny since I've you know not eaten that we've we've eaten more fish and more chicken chickens never Mm -hmm. gross me out and as long as it's cooked fine like there's a lot of times you know a lot of people are like oh you need to season your chicken or whatever a lot of times like i'll make a chicken soup and i'll just flavor the soup and put the chicken in it right there and it's like it just picks up from that so i'm like even that is fine with me if you know how to do it right yeah you know chicken yeah if you're gonna slow cook it all day i mean that's that's how, I mean, I do that all the time because I have, you know, a whole family to feed. So I'll make soups and I'll, I put everything in there raw and then I just cook it for like six, seven, eight hours. Mm. Okay. So I'm, I'm, before I, before I, uh, change the subject, I was going to ask you, what are some of your recipes that you like to cook for your family, especially the slow cooker type? Yeah. Okay. So I, I have a couple staples. So the hard part 
about my family is it's not just cooking for a family of four. It's cooking stuff that everyone likes. And Parker is a really picky eater. He's, you know, almost 10 years old, and he's like pizza, mac and cheese, cheeseburger, teriyaki, anything rice. Like, he pretty much just only wants to eat rice. And, I mean, he's the one that if you put any ingredient that he's not okay with, the whole thing's just like, he's like, no, I'll starve. Like, I don't care. He'll go He'll go all night. Like, he's just like, no, I'm not eating that. And then Chad is more like, he likes a carb and a protein. Like, like he either wants, like, spaghetti or, like, rice with meat or chili and rice. Or it's just, it's always rice and noodles and anything that he eats. And then I'm usually trying to, like, stay on the health train and, like, do a salad or, like, make vegetables or, like, have something healthier to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And and then Charlie does – Charlie will eat anything. I mean, she'll get down on anything. She'll eat a salad with me. She'll eat sushi with me. Like, she's the best eater ever, and she's three. Like, she probably eats better than all of us. But – so I'll do, like, that soup that I told you about. So I'll put, like, chicken, carrots. Um, what do I put in there? Chicken, carrots, onion, garlic, the Thai coconut milk in the can. Mm-hmm. I put like half of that in there. So it's a little creamy. Um, and then I do like, I'm like the spice queen. Like I love to just take normal dishes and then just put my own spices on them. Mm-hmm. But this one in particular, I put like a lot of cayenne because I'm usually trying to like, like an immune, you know, booster type of soup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll put cayenne in there, salt and pepper. Um, and then at the end, I squeeze like half a lemon and it just like brings it all together. Then I put like a big old scoop of, um, coconut oil. Mm. So it's like super creamy. It's like all the flavors like really tight in there because of all, I think all the, the fat. Mm. I don't know. I just made that up in my head. I'm not a chef. I notice if I don't put the coconut oil on the lemon, it like doesn't taste the same. Right. And I love doing that one. Now I want to do that one. I was just, I forgot about that. Um, and then I do, I only, almost, we're that family, like, we almost always have rice on the stove, just, like, every day. And if I don't know what I'm going to make, I'll even just, like, start with making rice, because I know it'll come together. So we made, like, chili, you know, it's so cold out here, so, like, we made, like, homemade chili the other day oh, okay. with, um, like, buffalo meat instead of, um, instead of, like, you know, ground beef. Oh, was it ground? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, What's that? Was it ground, ground buffalo? Yeah, ground buffalo. Okay. And okay. then um, Chad actually threw, like, we had a rib. I, we go to, like, this butcher, like, once a month. Well, when I'm on it, we go, like, once a month or once every other month. And so he threw, like, one of the ribeyes in there and just slow cooked it and the beans and all that. He makes a really good chili. Um, and then I do... What else did I do recently? I'm super creative. Like, I'm withdrawing a blank, but, like, I'm super creative in the kitchen. I, I like to, like, I don't like having the same food every day. Unless I'm, like, trying to eat healthy and just stay, like, on my game, then I'll make a lot of the same stuff. But I like to switch it up and cook, like, pad thai. And that was hard for me for some reason. Sometimes I screw that one up. But pad thai, yeah. I love cooking. So, I, uh, with the pad thai, I'll, okay, so the, the secret is that I don't know your taste buds. I know you guys like ketchup, but um, the cheaper pad thai places. <laughs> I don't like ketchup that much. Sorry to say that I don't really like ketchup. <laughs> well, no, no, no. <laughs> well, because cause the cheaper t- pad thai places will mix ketchup and tamarind. 
and you can taste it. I know. I don't like it with the ketchup. No, I, I don't, don't either. I've had that. I had that happen. Yeah, I don't like that. No, I just need the tamarind. It's fine. And the everything else you put, it's fine. Because when you do the ketchup, it tends to, like, mush up everything. And I like the noodles to be, like, separate but mushy. You know you know those noodles? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I had it with ketchup, and I was like, what is wrong with this? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. was not good. Mm-mm. We do a lot of, um, like, tacos, too, not to be cliche, like, Chad's Brazilian, I'm Spanish, but we do a lot of tacos because tacos are good, yeah. and we can do that so it can be, like, the meat and the rice, and sometimes Parker will just do, like, the rice and the meat. If he's, like, going to actually participate in dinner, then he'll actually have a taco. And, like, I don't do dairy, um, and Charlie doesn't really love – she's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes she likes dairy, but I don't do dairy, so it's, like, I can leave the cheese off. You know, if I'm, like, not wanting to eat carbs that day, I can make a taco salad. Like, that's an easy one for us to do. So when we don't have, like, a lot of time – we have tacos a lot. Yeah. No, I I like tacos for that reason and the variation. So you could do the buffalo meat, deer meat tacos. You can do pork tacos. You could do f- seafood tacos. Yeah, leave the ch- leave the cheese. Hold the cheese. Uh, you know, sour cream. Yeah. Hold the sour cream. There's so many. Man, I've done I've done so many variation broke broke nigga tacos. Like where I didn't have all the ingredients <laughs> for salsa, but I still made some type of pickled concoction and i'm like whatever i gotta you know pickled cabbage on tacos i've had that is good so it's kind of you just you yeah can, that's actually really good yeah I've had that too. you could literally throw um, anything I, on it i make um i always make a like i have a have i made you guacamole before no no but i love guacamole okay, i do make like a I do too. I'm like i that's like one of, i could just eat that for lunch and i that's one thing i do make a little bit different than maybe than most people, but I don't know if I can give you my secret. Mm. There's a secret ingredient. Okay, how about no this? Puts in there. Is is yours more creamy or more pickly? No, mine's mine's like creamy, but I don't like to cream it. Like I don't like it super super blended. Like I've had like a whipped guacamole before, and it was good, but it was like a little bit weird. I like to keep it like still still thick you know what I mean like still mm. like not crushed up all the way like I don't I only use a fork and like the avocado has to be like perfect right and yeah I make it like a certain a certain way and that's like my appetizer like if someone asks me to bring an appetizer I always bring that with Juanita's chips oh Juanita's hey shouts out to I know. The, shouts I out to the future future sponsor Juanita's you guys hear that here oh yeah <laughs> um that's the dream. Um, so I was going to ask you, so makeup artist, uh, you work with my girl and you guys do lots of weddings and stuff. So what what initially got you into doing that? And, you know, like, why, 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 uh, why people's faces? <laughs> well, you know, that's, I mean, it's funny that you ask that because a lot of girls are like, you know, or just people in general are like, I always knew I was going to be a fireman or I always knew, you know, it's like you just went towards that dream. Right. I was always terrified because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it scared me because I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be fulfilled. And I want, like, I was craving something so badly my whole life. Like, since I was a young child, like, when you shouldn't be thinking about that, I was always thinking about that. And I just hated that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I couldn't pinpoint it. Like, things sounded interesting, but I was like, no, that's not it. And so I just, somebody gave me a tip, like, 
I think when I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16, and they said, pick an industry, because usually you can, you can tell what, you know, subject or what industry you gravitate towards. Pick an industry, and don't worry about why you like that industry, but just get involved in that in some way, and make that your goal to always move up, to always move around and shift around in that industry, but to stay within that. And then you'll always, you'll always be successful because you're in that, you know, you're not jumping from, oh, you know, today I want to be, today I'm a secretary, you know, and then, oh, now I'm going to be a loan officer or now I'm going to sell houses. Oh, now I'm going to go into the beauty industry. Like that bouncing around is what kind of slows you down. Right. So I took that to heart and, you know, I always, I always loved big transformations. I actually wanted to be an interior designer when I was younger and I loved taking like an, just a regular room or just even just like an ugly room and paint it and just like create this space. Like I always thought about like what feeling do I want to feel when I'm sitting in this room or when I'm going to sleep in this room, not necessarily like what furniture I want, but just like what kind of feeling do I want to bring? Mm. And that's how I would create those rooms. And, um, and I just love, I love that full transformation. Like not just like, Oh, I helped someone find a lipstick. Like I love to just have you sit down, tell me about your life. What do you want to feel? What do you feel right now? What are your goals? Like I'm very in depth when I do a consultation. I'm, I don't just talk about their face. And, um, I think that that was the same thing with rooms and homes as it was for people. And, um, and I kind of, I mean, this is all in hindsight, right? Like looking back, I can totally see how the dots connected. But at the time I was 17 and I started working in a salon and I loved it. It was an evasive salon. So it was kind of like up my alley as far as like, you know, being more natural and, and like beauty is, comes from within. It wasn't just about what you look like. And that was like more of a turn on for me. And so I just, I started like witnessing firsthand just as like a front desk girl, um, like what beauty could do for someone, like not looking at like, okay, so like you get your hair cut or you get your hair colored, like what happens inside when that happens? And it's not for every woman, but for the people that it really brings them up and it shows them like, it's like self-love. It shows them sometimes beauty for the first time. Like a lot of women sadly don't really love themselves they don't think that they're beautiful they don't feel beautiful they don't feel confident Mm. they don't even look in the mirror you know and if you can through some sort of service show that to a woman that's one of the most powerful things that I think you can do because that woman is going to go home to her partner to her man or to her kids or to her mom or someone else and she's going to spread that and women are not not saying more than men but women are very powerful creatures you know mm-hmm. they, they can they can really spread that energy in a big way when they feel it mm-hmm. and I noticed that really early on you know that that's what the beauty industry was doing it when it was done correctly you mm-hmm. know when it was done right and um and so yeah so I started I mean naturally I think I'm, I'm a pretty outgoing person I've always my dad taught me a lot about business and sales growing up and so I was always put in sales I don't think I necessarily chose to be there but of course, like a business owner, any company I've ever been a part of was, would always put me in the sales department. So I learned how to connect with people, um, how to find what they want quickly, you know, and, and then give that to them. Right. And in that particular role, I was put into the tiny little makeup area that they had because I was one of the only people that even wore makeup and I didn't wear much, but I knew more about it than the other people at the time. And 
I saw that, like, I had never been a service provider before, ever, and in that role, you know, even though it was something small, I was a service provider, and I could see, like, me firsthand changing someone's day, and that became, like, a very big addiction for me, um, and it still is, and when I can see that shift in them, I can feel it happening, you know, and it's, that's what keeps me in this, not, and that's why I say I'm not, like, a typical makeup artist, because it's not just the art for me, although that's, that's major, too, I need to have like a creative outlet but it's that that keeps me in it is just seeing that shift and seeing someone look in the mirror and and they look at themselves with like pure love even though they might have walked through the door not feeling great not really making eye contact like you know I know I know I can't look like that but you know I kind of want this hairstyle or you know I know I'll never look like Blake Lively you know but that's kind of the makeup look that I like and then when they see themselves in the mirror and they're like wow I look good. Like, I look mm. good, <laughs> you know? So, like, they just, they just emanate just radiance. It's amazing. I, that's that's interesting. Interesting what you're saying. Um, I, I I recently have this discussion with a lot of people right now. Um, just to digress a little bit, but it kind of is what you're saying. Um, it seems like a lot of times there's this unrealistic standard of beauty that's it's never really stopped. It's like now it's before and it's like it seems like it's like a certain type of color like more paler skin a certain type of weight Uh it may be skinny you know this and that Uh and it's just it's there's this it seems like there's this specific standard of beauty out there and um i don't know if at some point it seems like it's kind of directed but i don't know if it is so, like, you know, how do you, like, combat those type of stereotypes and the, that kind of, like, the women that, because I feel like the, a lot of women don't necessarily need to feel beautiful. I feel like, it, okay, maybe, let me take that back. That sounds stupid. Women need to feel beautiful. No, but, no, no. I actually, I don't think that sounds stupid. I actually totally get what you're saying. Like, the, that's not every woman's goal is to be a beautiful movie star. Right. Well, not only that, but, like, there's some women that have been told that they're so beautiful now now whether you need to believe it or not that's the healthy part right but i mean there's some women that you know they don't get told this and i think your message is exceptionally more powerful for them than a lot of the girls that get told that they're beautiful all the time and i was just like wondering what you think about that and how do you combat that and what you know body positivity and all that type of ish yeah yeah, that's like that's such a good question. That's such a meaty question because that's like, I mean, that's that is my brand is exactly like how I'm going to answer that. So there's a couple of things. One, just because you mentioned it about some women don't aren't told that. Um, I make sure with my daughter who is beautiful physically, but she's even more beautiful on the inside. I make sure that I when I talk to her, I mention how strong she is how bright she is, how smart she is when she can, you know, count to three. I mean, she's only three years old. When she counts to three, I'm like, wow, you're so smart. You know, or when she helps me bring in the groceries, I'm like, whoa, you have muscles. Are you strong? She's like, yeah, I'm strong. And I make sure I really, because I know everyone in the world is saying, you're so cute, you're so beautiful, and she loves to be told that. But she, it's it's really worked with her. Like, I didn't really know about that, like those affirmations when I had my son. I was so young. Mm. Um that was her, I made a conscious effort to do that. And it's crazy. It works. Like she 
loves when someone says she's strong. She's just like, yes, I'm strong. Like just as much as she loves when someone says that she's beautiful. And I really do believe it's because Chad and I do that. We, those affirmations are for every part of her, not just her looks. And that is what makes us beautiful. Have you ever had like a friend that you're like, man, they're so beautiful. And then you see a picture of them and you're like, wow, I guess like maybe physically they're not the most beautiful. But when you think of them in your head, you think of them as like pure light, like just pure beauty. It's, it's from within. I mean, it does come from your soul. You know, it's not just a physical thing, mm-hmm. but, um, but for the, um, for more like what you're saying about America's or even the world's perception of beauty, um, that was one major reason I gravitated towards makeup too. So I come from, um, half my family is Hispanic and the other half is, like English, Irish, you know, white, white folk. Right. And what I noticed is that I would look through all these old photos, especially of my grandma. She was, she did hair. Um, she was a, a hairdresser and my grandpa was a barber. And I would look through all their old images because they were just so regal and like, just, just a cute little like Latin couple. And, um, I noticed like in every picture, especially when there was like flash photography, that my grandma's face was white and the rest of her body was tan. And I always asked her about that. And, um, and then I, I later read up on it, like Bobby Brown, which is a famous makeup artist. She actually talks about it, how like even in the eighties, there was no makeup for certain skin tones that would match their body. Like it would, you could put it on their face and make it work, but it wouldn't match their body. And it became a problem. That's actually why she started her line. But um, because I come from such a diverse family and we have, you know, I have black cousins and I have Spanish cousins. And, you know, when you say Spanish, it's all colors. I have some people in my family that are really dark and I also have some people in my family that are on the lighter side, like including me, I consider myself to be on the lighter side. And um, we all have different, like, undertones. You know, it's not enough that you, that, and a lot of, which I, I know that you know is like a lot of people of color are categorized like okay so you're black so you're going to wear this shade right and that's not true either you know you you might be really yellowy undertones you know you might be very neutral some have like more of a red undertone like it doesn't matter what race you are or what color or shade you are you have to have like a very unique undertone that fits your specific mixture and um that was something I noticed that my my whole, you know, one side of my family was getting, like, there was no options for them. And and I noticed that when I started to wear makeup, too, that, like, I was like, wow, there's, like, one or two shades only in some brands that I can wear. And thankfully, I was born in, a, in an age where it wasn't as hard. You know, the MAC was very popular, and I think that's where I got my first foundation that ever actually matched me. Um and that made, that made me even more like, you know, I need to be out here as a makeup artist that that knows about this, that knows about skin tones, and knows, like, what a hole in the market there is. And um, that's been kind of my, my major passion. And that, that goes hand-in-hand, hand too, with, like, our body type. Like, we're curvier people, most of the people in my family. Um, you know, we have a lot – we have all different shapes and sizes. And I just – being in the industry, every year that passed by, I saw that more and more and more, mainly comparing myself to others. And I never really compared myself to others that much mm-hmm. until I saw that well, I'm like the only Latin girl in here or I'm the only curvy girl in here. And I never thought about it until I just until it was in front of me. 
and um, that became a huge, a huge passion for me. I didn't want ever for my Instagram page or portfolio online or printed or whatever for someone to look at it and not see themselves. You know, like that's the day that my business is dead, and not because I think that it will make me money, but because that would that's mortifying. You know, to to look at it and know like I'm just contributing to that because beauty. There's so much beauty in different cultures and in different people and different shades. And, like, the more unique it is, like, the more I love working with it. And especially being in this area in the Pacific Northwest, there's not – surprisingly, there's not a lot of makeup artists that feel comfortable working with all skin tones. Mm. I see a lot of makeup artists that only work with dark skins, you know, and then I see a lot of makeup artists that – don't feel comfortable at all working with anyone past like my skin tone, mm. which is like a medium skin tone, but not a lot of artists that will work and do a really great job on super, super fair skin all the way to like Jamaican, you mm. know, and just kill it across the board. So I've been able to make a good living just based off of that. Just the fact that I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable personality wise, like skin tone wise, everything with anyone who sits in front of me. And that's become my brand and my point of difference mm. as a makeup artist. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's really, that's, that's crazy that you say that too, because like, I feel like I've kind of always been chastised for, you know, just being more accepting of beauty. Cause generally like, and this might sound like a guy thing, but like, if I like, when I go outside, there's generally not that many ugly people. There's very few, and, and, and once again, that's perception, too. So, like, maybe what I think uh-huh. is ugly, somebody might think is super hot or, or just even okay or whatever. But, like, generally right. speaking, I'm talking about, like, don't even look at me, like, ew, disgusting. That, like, maybe, like, uh-huh. 1% every time I walk out. That's a, such a small, marginalized. Most people are, like, you know what I mean? They're just generally okay looking. Like, the, I don't see a lot of just, like... Very, uh, I see more attractive people or more people that I could find attractive than people that I just deem as like, you, this is just don't look at me. Like, I don't even, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of, yeah. Oh, I I totally do. That's exactly the way I feel. And I feel like, um, I don't know. I'm glad that I've kind of learning because I've had to branch off from a lot of these ideas that my friends had that like, they would always be like putting girls down kind of like, ooh, you like her, or you think she's hot, and I'm like, dude, you you are not even hot, but I think at the same time, a a lot of women will play to that because they're not self-confident too, so it's kind of like this whole cycle where it's like, girl, you could get hotter, you know what I mean, but then you end up with a fuck boy, and then kind of, like, this whole cycle, so it's just kind of like, oh my goodness, um, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's, it's, I, okay, I I have two thoughts about that. One, the fact that you are a creative person, I think that when you're creative and artistic, this is my opinion, I could be wrong, but I feel like you see beauty in so much more in the world, because you're not just looking at it, like, usually when you look at someone or something or a room, you really look at the detail of it and, like, wow, like, this is what makes it different or whatever, so, like, when someone might be, like, you know, quote-unquote ugly to someone else, I mean, what is it that's making them ugly, like, to that person? It's it's so subjective, and it's, it's, a, it's a controlled thing. You know, we're taught to think that, 
you know, and it, and it is shifting, but I think more, more of history has shown that, you know, you want to be pale, you want to be skinny, no, you know, you don't want to have too many curves, but you do, you do have to have boobs, but not too much. You know, you have to have a booty, but not too much, you know, just so that we know that you're a woman. It's, it has to be this very specific, you know, look. And I think, I mean, I wasn't born that way, so I already knew, like, okay, that's not going to happen for me. Right. Even at my most fit body, I was never, I always had a butt, I always had boobs, I, like, I, that was never an option for me, so I always found my way through it, and luckily I had family members who were shaped like me that I felt, you know, comfortable around, and I had friends, you know, that I felt comfortable around that, you know, were also shaped like me, but I know, like, in my mom's day, there, there really wasn't a lot in her neighborhood anyway, they were all very thin and so she always felt that struggle and and women don't feel pretty when they're around all that if you're around 10 girls and they're all skinny and you're curvy you're going to automatically feel like you're fat and worthless and and not beautiful and that's what has to change like we have to see more of that around us and it has to be common around us like I don't like when my kids are even in groups of people that are too similar. Like that's something that I noticed that might be maybe a little bit too, you know, I don't know if that's like overthinking it, but I don't ever really like seeing them in groups of friends when they're all the same. Like I, I it makes me so happy when I see them playing with friends and there's like one kid from every race or just one super tall kid and like a short little chunky kid and like all these different people like that makes me so happy because that's what his regular is going to become he'll never have that thought of i have to look this way right. because all his friends look different right well also like i mean it's funny too because i i obviously you know your kids times are way different from my times and you're 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 only yeah. a smidgen older than me so but our times are a little different but so like i'd imagine bullying was really big whereas like my when i grew up Bullying was big, but it was like more. It was it was a little bit more thoughtful bullying. It wasn't as harmful bullying, whereas I feel like nowadays it's a lot more like inclusive teaching to whether it's like real real or not. Uh, I'd say maybe in the classroom it's not as real as like you know at home like some you know where you say I, I like it when my kids kick it with different people, whereas like a lot of teachers might be like, oh it's a part of the curriculum type of thing. You know what I mean? Um, but I, you know, I do appreciate you saying stuff like that. I think, um, it nowadays it's easier for them to hang out with the loser kid or hang, you know, cause even the loser kid is kind of cool now. Like I, it's, it feels right. a little different. So it's just kind of like, it's, right. yeah, I, I don't know. And so it, it, in a way it's good, but then I also think like, like bullying helped me a little bit. It helped me not be a punk. And it helped me, like, reestablish, um, I guess, a lot of, like, um, self-confidence in myself. Once I figured out the deeper message, right. and I was... But I guess, you know, maybe for the average kid, it's probably not doing that. But I, for me... No, I mean, we talked about that, too. I mean, Chad said the same thing. Like, he, he learned who he was, and he learned how to fight back. Like, I mean, he, he probably didn't need to go through as much torture as he did as a kid, but it did kind of mold him into who he was i don't think it's always bad but of course it's not fun to go through it when you're going through it yeah definitely not definitely not um 
So that's so. That, I mean, I'm I'm really glad you answered that that or you know you had those type of things to say. And like I said, it's it's much easier time I think for kids than than it was for our time per se. But like I remember going to yeah. middle school and like gay was in, like. And like I hung yeah, out. Yeah, it was never like an issue, at, like being gay or being like there was never like a color issue at my school or a sexuality issue at my school though. And I'm, I mean, I lived in a very diverse neighborhood though, so I know that that's not the same for everyone. Right, right. I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't say how many times, like how how many different experiences I would hear from other people, and I'm like. Yeah, there was a in gay crowd in my school. <laughs> like everybody thought they were really like, cool. You're like, you wanted to be gay, so you could get in there. No, uh, <laughs> well, I kicked, well, I kicked it with everybody. I kicked it with them. I kicked it with you know everybody. I I I was I never had like a clique. I'm kind of like a loner dude, so I was always kind of like in between everybody. But I was like, hey, you guys are cool. No problems with me. Well, the gay kids had the weed, so you know. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing though i love that though I, I i don't like the clicks are what really like that's scary to know like if you have to be in a click and you can't you can't hang out with anyone else that starts getting a, like weird for me like I, i'm definitely gonna always keep an eye on that with my kids because that's when stuff gets a little bit crazy and you start you know there's always a leader there's always like a pack leader you know and it's just that's just a dangerous situation we should all be like free thinking, hanging out with whoever we want to hang out with, depending on the day. Of course, we always have like our tried and true, like you know, best friends. But right, I mean, you should be able to like associate with whoever you want to associate with, like, right, at all times. And and that's part of the whole like body positivity too. It's it's like, I mean, everyone. It's we're all we're all here. You know, we're all like on this planet together. Like, there's no reason to fight amongst each other. Each other. Like, I, I know it sounds like so, like you know, generic, but that's truly the way I feel. Like there's just, there's so many like beautiful things that to experience, like, and including our, like each other, like why, why make this more painful than it has to be? Right. Well, you, it, so like, so when you say that, um, I had to, well, me and my girl, we had an experience recently and we had to, st- we stayed with some of her family members and they were super big Trumpers. And like, granite, granite. Like I don't care. It's like I could, I could, I could argue. You know what I mean? And I can be like not like angry right. about it. But like I don't like anybody who's on somebody's dick like all the way. Like you gotta be able to have some criticism for everybody. Like right. I'm not gonna just be like, oh Obama, he's the greatest to ever. Oh Nixon, he's the great. You gotta have criticism and you gotta have things you like. I'm not going to just, like, shut him down on everything. I think he is an asshole. But, like, they were really like, oh, no, it's this and this and da-da-da and blah, blah, like, everything. I'm like, so no criticism? And that's when I'm like, ooh, that's questionable. But I've even learned how to hang out with people politically and even come to a settling agreement. Because, you know, at first, being a black man and all that, I'm like, oh, well bet like i'm open-minded politically even towards trump but like even before that experience i was still like oh you're really about to rock with him like all 100 percent. okay that says something about you right and now i'm like well it says something about me that i could get along with them that's what i'm thinking you know i'm like dang look at me i was and i was able to like articulate my point they were able to articulate their points 
And, like, yeah, we're still not going to agree, but, like, wow, look how far we came. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and a, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, too, because um, 2019, I have this saying, it's um, the burden of me is on you now. So, like, what that meant, what that means is that uh, I used to go home and be like, damn, did I say the right things? Did I dress the right way? Did my breath smell? Did I, was I sitting uptight? <laughs> you know what I mean? Was I that guy that I yeah, want to be? Yeah. I would go home and stress right. about it. But now I'm like, I have to live with myself every day. So if you didn't like what I said or you didn't like what I did, then that burden is on you now. I'm not going to go home and think about it anymore. I'm just going to go and know yeah. that know that I've tried to already be the best me. And so that's it's able me to like reach across to different people and be just like I can be that guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, like Yeah, that's also very freeing for you to have that like as your personal mantra, that's very freeing to just know. Like I did my best, and that's that. And I'm gonna leave that at the at the end of the day where it belongs. And if it's still bothering you, then that's on you. Right. Exactly. So speaking of which, um, in your just in general, who who are some of the people that really influenced you? You know, towards your career choice or where you are today, and where you Ooh, are today. That's a good question. You know, I would have to say in the very beginning like as a child um I think my dad because um you know my dad my dad never stops working like I remember he would get home from work and then he would work when he was at home you know where he'd always be thinking like his work would, would follow him into his real life you know where he'd always be like oh that's a possible connection or that's a possible connection um he was a business consultant when I was a kid mm. and then he was a mortgage broker for a little bit and then he went back to business consulting but, um, like, when the boom hit, you know, he was like, ooh, let me get on that, and then, then he went back. But um, I think him in the beginning, because I thought, I just thought he was, like, serious about his work, and he seemed successful, and my mom um, was more just, like, dream big, you can have whatever you want. If I wanted to be a princess, she'd be like, you're going to be the best princess ever. Like, she was just my, like, my fangirl all the way. But I think my dad was a big influence on me. Um for sure, and then um, actually, like, actresses. I was, like, fascinated with actresses and athletes, and um, I think, like, like I would read bios all the time. Um, when I was younger, I think Jennifer Lopez, to be honest, was, like, one of my big influences because she, she came from, like, a regular neighborhood and made it, and that was kind of the story I was obsessed with back then. The Bronx. Like, regular people <laughs> like me, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, if she could do it, I could do it, you know, and be whatever I want. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be at the time, but, um, her for sure. My grandma, um, not, not a lot of celebrities, like real people in my life were my influence. You know, my grandma came from a really poor town in Colorado, um, like a little ranch town, just all Spanish Mexican people. And, um, they had nothing. I mean, like they, her and her two sisters slept in a twin bed. Like, this is a story she tells all the time. In a twin bed, and she said she used to love it. Like, she couldn't wait to sleep with her sisters because she just felt so safe. And, you know, nowadays people are buying bigger houses because, you know, not everyone in the family has their own bedroom, you know, or has their own playroom or whatever it is. And, and they used to just be happy as can be in that little bed. And she just found her way out of that, you know, and got married and had kids. And, like, she built a life and allowed 
you know, my dad to build his own life. And, you know, she overcame so much, so much in her life. She lost one of her children when he was 18, my uncle. And um, she still raised her kids. You know, like there was just so much. That stuff inspires me. Like when people get pushed down and, and face real adversity and not that like bullying or things like that is an adversity. It is, but like real things that can really like end you right? and they rise above it. Like that to me is like, okay, what, what do they have that's allowing them to do it? Do I have it inside of me? Can I tap into that? And I always believed I had everything inside of me as long as I could find a way to access it. And that's what it is. And I think that's really what set me apart. I think my love for art and creation and, transforming and bringing helping other people find their light that's a big drive for me but then also just I've been kicked down many times I've been told no many times you know I've started things and they failed or never even taken off so many times the difference between me and someone else is that I just don't stop trying and I know that there's a way to do it and I just keep hustling and finding that way to do it Mm. and I think that's the difference between a regular person and an entrepreneur is not that they're lucky and blessed some of them are some of them are born with you know a a really good cushion to work with and the money to start the company they want to start but I I mean I didn't I started my company with less than $500 in my bank account and now I make a living you know and it was a struggle let me tell you we were not eating top ramen because it tastes good like it was, we had no money at all, but we knew, like, this is what we chose to do. We're sticking to it. Chad and I both started our businesses at the same time, the same month, and it was, there was a lot of tears shed, and it was really, really difficult, but I knew it was more painful for me to go back to a nine-to-five job than to keep pushing forward on this, so I knew if I had to just get through it, that that's it. Like, I committed, and we're going to get through it, and thankfully, I did See, I'm, I'm, I, we're on that hustle right now. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I, am I going to go? I mean, of course, you got to go back to work every once in a while and just to remind you how much you hate it and it motivates you. So, like, <laughs> I'm kind of on that path right now because I'm like, oh, I got to get another job. I know I'm going to hate it. Well, I, I, but I'm working. I'm always doing something. I'm never just sitting still. I'm never just sitting still. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah. And I don't believe you have to get that. Like, I mean, of course, you can't, like, you can't not provide for yourself or for your, your partner or your family or whatever, but like you also can't, you can't give yourself that out too. you know, like I just, I knew I could get another job. Of course I could, you know, I'm, I'm a capable, I'm a, like a, a capable person. I could, I could go get another job in many different industries, you know, like somewhere, someone would hire me, but you have to be fed up enough which I think you are. Mm-hmm. I think that you're definitely someone that should run their own show. But then you also you have to be driven enough in whatever you choose. So it's got to be something you're passionate about. I really don't know how people can be entrepreneurs in industries that they're not passionate about. That always actually confuses me. Like, I don't know, because the struggles you have to go through, I'm like, you have to be, have that passion behind it to go like, no, I'm doing this. I'm going to make this happen. Because if I didn't like what I was doing, oh, I would have given up, like, the first two months, three months, right? maybe six months, maybe right. max. But I would have been like, F this. Like, I'm done. I'm done. This is way too risky, and it's exhausting, and I'm tired, you know? But it was because I loved it, and it's because I felt this 
feeling in my gut, like, this is the right path. You are on the right path. You finally found it. Keep going. Mm. That because I knew that little voice was telling me that, that's why I was able to push. It's not just like, oh, she's a driven person. Like, yeah, I'm driven. I am. I'd say that's a trait that describes me. But it was that, that little, that, that feeling that you can't quite describe. That's the, that's the little thing that you have to follow. So, if that makes sense. So, um, oftentimes people ask me, you know, what what is a chef? Because a chef is very, um, it's a very open per- uh, interpretation. Some people go to school, some people don't. Some people are master chefs here at, you know, X, Y, and Z. Some people are master home chefs. Some people are master at baking. Some people are only masters at Asian cuisine and Asian. So it's very, but I'd say that the specific is um, you do the same processes and it's not necessarily about the end result as much as it is about how you get there. Um, so like a lot, like for instance, if you ever see chefs in an open kitchen, it's kind of like, wow, that's when actually culinary looks glamorous is in an open kitchen, even though even behind the scenes, it's not glamorous at all. Um, and so, um, yeah, totally. I say that to ask you this, um, and you know, you're talking about entrepreneurship and all that. And I know we had a conversation about, um, entrepreneurship and I just want to know how important do you think it is? Um, to have me personally, um, now that I'm getting older, I used to try and preach it to people, but now I'm kind of like, you still need regular people that want to work. You still need to be able to. So in some ways it's important, but only those who pick up that message. So how, how important do you think it is to you? Um, I think that it's, it's kind of what you said. I don't think that it's important. Like it's, of course, it's important for the world because the entrepreneurs are the ones that, that lead things up. They're the ones that create new markets. They're the ones that create new products and all of that. But um, I, I am a firm believer that all of us are different. Um, and you can tell, you know, when you when you work with someone, when you actually work with someone day to day, you can tell, like, pretty quickly what their skill set is. And I think that if more of us spent time finding what our specific, like, gift is, like and then followed that that's when we would all be successful what what really doesn't work is when you put like an introverted person who maybe is meant to be an accountant maybe they're super good with numbers and they love it and they feel comfortable there they're not really a people person they prefer to be like figuring things out puzzle solvers that kind of personality when you put that person in sales I never see that go well you know, they're always just like, I hate this. Like, and, and maybe they find success with it because they're a smart person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they never kill it and love it. You know, or vice versa. You put someone with a really outgoing personality and you're like, well, you're going to be um, a file clerk. They're going to hate their life. They're going to hate their job. And they're probably not going to do a great job at it because they don't care. Because they don't even want to be there. I think if you can find who that person is, what they're good at, and then put that personality type in that specific role that's when they flourish. And I think that that's what happened with me. Thankfully, I'm like an outgoing, loud person, so I think it was easy to tell where I would do well. But it was also, I mean, I've had some jobs too where I was like, wow, this is not for me. Like, this is not the kind of position I should be in. But sales worked for me, marketing worked for me. All the things that I need to get experience in to be able to run my own company. So do I think entrepreneurship is like 
um, necessary, absolutely, for the people that are meant to be entrepreneurs. And if you're not that person, it doesn't mean like, oh, bummer, you can't start your own company. It just don't put like don't put yourself in those shoes. Like if you're not an entrepreneur, it's going to be really hard for you. It's, not going to be enjoyable the risk that you have to take is extremely uncomfortable for people who are not risk takers i'm a risk taker so i feel like like a bit of a thrill with it you know whereas i know some of my other friends are like oh no i need to know exactly what money i'm making when that would that would terrify them and give them massive anxiety and that's not for them they don't they're not entrepreneurs and that's not a bad thing i think it's just so trendy right now to be an entrepreneur that People are feeling like if they're not, it's like a diss in some way. Mm. And that's not it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have another friend who's like an inventor. Like, that's what they should be doing full time is just sitting in their house, drinking coffee, inventing. Because they're dope at it. They love it. They don't want to do all the other stuff. And all they have to do is invent something, like one thing. Give it to someone who can actually sell it. Be business partners. Boom. Create the company. Like, just... Be the best in your role. Figure out what that role is and then do that, you know? But don't mm. try and force yourself to be something that you're not because it doesn't work. It just never works. I've never seen it work. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so true, especially that diss thing. And it's funny, too, because there's, yeah, especially being a millennial, there's a lot of pressure to be an entrepreneur. I feel like for me personally, right. I've, I've I just hate, I hate bureaucracy and I, I fucking, I'm like the type of dude that like would be the cool boss that got shit done, pragmatic yet idealistic. And I'm not like the crack of the whip. I'm a leader. I like to do things with people and help people and listen and try, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Doing stuff. I'm like, so I knew that in that way. And the fact that I hate like, um, authority authoritarian type of people I, I can't stand that while I'm on this level and you're on this level. And so that's that's one of the things that yeah. influenced me to be like, well, you know what? I might not have much, but the shit that I have, I'm proud of. And you're not going to tell me how to fucking run it. And I love that. Even if it ain't shit, it's right. mine. I'm going to crash the ship. And you can't tell me that I can't. <laughs> you know what I yep, mean? Yep, yep. <laughs> yep. And, and it's like you're, you're bossy, too. You know what I mean? Like bossy people, that's. That is a trait, like, that's a good trait if you hone in on it, right? Like, if you're like, okay, you're bossy, because why? Like, because you have ideas. You, you know, like, you look at a way, like, something flows, and you know you can make it better. You know you can make it flow faster and, and be more efficient. Like, right. those people get put down a lot. I've been put down a lot for trying to reinvent the wheel. And, mm. and now I'm being praised for it. Like, mm. it's just because I was in the wrong situation it was a nuisance to my boss, you know, like, it was like, just, can you just do your job? Like, is that, is that that hard for you? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is that hard for me. It really is. Like, I, this is all wrong. We need to change all this. But now, now when I see something's not moving right, I can just change it. It's my own company. I can do that. But it's like, that type of personality, I mean, like, it, that's an entrepreneur. Right. That's an entrepreneur right there. And, and then, and those kind of people do have to get uncomfortable and get out there and do scary things because that's what it requires. Right. And hearing that no, so you can hear that one yes. Um, so I got one more question yes. one more question for you before I let you go. Um Kay. I was gonna say, do you have a if there's a girl, um, you know, similar background and she might not have it together or whatever, but she sees you 
and you know she stops you for a second of your time on the streets like you know what are you telling her what are you telling the youth like a message to the youth Mm. is what i call it you know i think it's kind of what we just talked about like finding surrounding yourself with people that make you feel good and that you feel accepted in a safe group because uh, especially for the creatives out there, if you're not feeling safe or that you can express yourself, it's really hard to grow that creative side. It, it can kind of shut down writer's block, not being able to create, not be able to paint or, or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's finding a way somehow to, to know who you are, you know, to like locate who that is. Am I an artist? Am I, um, do I want to be a dad when I grow up? You know, do I want to be, um, do you want to help kids? Like, what What do you love? Like, really, really honing in on that. I do that with my kids all the time. What do you love? Like, what makes you so happy? Even if it doesn't seem like it's a job. Don't think about money. Like, just money is such a lie and it's such a, it can be such a dirty thing. Like, when you're trying to create and, like, live in your imagination, that that's the first thing I usually talk to people about is just if you didn't have to make money, just say you're just taken care of, you know? You just, you have money rolling in, don't worry about it what do you want to spend your days doing? You know, and usually right then and there, that first thought, that first answer answer is like, that's the rabbit hole. Like that's where you need to go down. Mm. You know, they'll say, well, I love surfing. Okay. Well find a way to make money surfing. You know, or I love, I just want to skateboard all day. Great. Work even harder than what you're doing. So you can actually make a profession out of that. You know, some people like to, even as a young child, love to film things, you know, Parker loves to film things like, you be a videographer like there's so many jobs and even if the job's not created then you're an entrepreneur and you create that job for yourself but I think it's not getting bogged down with what society wants us to do you know and buy our first house and all these things don't worry about all that who knows if you'll ever buy a house who cares like what turns you on and makes you feel truly happy in your life and how can you do that more times out of the week mm, that's powerful <laughs> That's powerful. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the truth, you know? You yeah. feel that because that's the truth. Like, you know, it's, it's all the other stuff is just shit and it's semantics and it's like, you know, and it wouldn't even be an issue if you lived in, like, Costa Rica on the beach, you know? Like, there's so many other places that, that we could be where we wouldn't feel the pressure, but we feel the pressure. And if we just take that off of ourselves for a minute and just let ourselves be kids and dream and just feel, like, what we naturally love and gravitate towards all the answers are there for you Mm. that's you know i what i what i like to tell people uh, especially people who want to be entrepreneurs i always tell them work a regular job if you (laughs) that that's that's then you'll know then you'll know that's my number one (laughs) like i've never been good at working a regular job like i can do i can function at a high level I can do X, Y, and Z at such a high level. I can find new ways, especially in the culinary industry. They tell you this, 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 and this at this time, this time, this time, this time. And I'm like, well, why not do this? I'm like figuring out ways to skip steps and get the same results. And so, you know, and they hate that. Like, no, it's like this. And you consistently this way. And I'm like, you're taking my, my my problem solving out of the equation. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's part of me. So I'm always telling somebody, I'm like, I feel like a part, especially in America, in the Americas, part of the regular, regular struggle is to work a job you don't hate for even a couple months. 
you have to. Right. You ha- and I don't trust anybody that hasn't worked a job they didn't hate it. I just can't trust you. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you, you don't know the struggle. You don't know. You don't you, know the struggle, you, like, getting up in the morning. Exactly. And having to, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, oh, I'm sorry, blah, 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 spilling something and feeling yeah. out of place and, you know, crying in the bathroom because you're pissed and all types of shit like that. That's what you need. That's the real American yeah. experience right there. Then you figure out, well, shit, if I'm not gonna I'm gonna be the best damn toilet cleaner and create a job for myself cleaning bathrooms or I'm gonna be an artist, like you said, something like that, you know. Then you yeah. fig- you figure out a way once you can actually start dreaming about it too. So Yeah, man, I yeah. I, yeah. I appreciate you um taking your time and donating your time uh to the kitchen couch podcast, you already know. Um, let you know. What I'm not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm, ha- I'm handing out severance packages after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, what was I gonna no, say? I appreciate you having me. It's uh, fun. Is if there is there any way to get in contact with you if we want to book you for for a show or for some makeup or something? Yes. Okay. So Instagram. Um, it's at makeupartist.angela. I have my full portfolio on there. Um, and then my website is makeupartistangela.com, and I have all my details on there. Um, those are my main two places to, to book me for anything hair and makeup related, weddings, events, um, photo shoots. I travel. I went to Costa Rica. I went to Canada. Um, going hopefully going to go to Mexico this year. So anywhere that requires me making you look and feel beautiful, I'm there. Mm. Thank you, Angela. Thank you. You guys here to hear first. Yes. Uh, Nathan Nice at the Kitchen Couch Podcast, a.k.a. Light Skin Bourdain. Thank you for uh, showing up. Hello. Hello. Thank you guys for tuning in once again to the Kitchen Couch. That was uh, makeup artist Angela. You heard where to go to the website. <clears throat> and her Instagram is, drumroll please, at makeupartist.com dot angela on instagram she does a hell of a job so you know and obviously she's got her head on straight so uh, she might be somebody you guys want to uh, link up with and get your her and your your face and your your face beat and your her did and your nails and all that yeah hit them up okay and uh, thanks for tuning in once again hit my line 509-557-0521 at the kitchen couch.com you know what i'm saying we got lots of merch we got lots of things coming out for you, so just, uh, uh, you know, stay tuned to that. And uh, more cooking videos and more live content coming soon. Uh, peep the YouTube page. We're going to have the YouTube page going in a, a, a few few days here. So, yeah, uh, once again, holla at your boy.